This is Jane Marie. And this is Soko. You are now listening to the Queer Ambition Podcast. The Queer Ambition Podcast is the only podcast celebrating rising LGBTQ professionals. Providing advice on navigating the modern workplace. And discussing polarizing topics within the community. Now listen up. Welcome to the Queer Ambition Podcast. Today we have Kay Martinez. Kay is an Afro-Latinx gender non-conforming educator and disruptor originally from Boston. Kay has a master's degree in higher education from Boston College and they have led a variety of diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives at Harvard University, Stanford University, and Tufts University. As a writer, they have published research and articles on current climate for queer, trans, Black, Indigenous, people of color in NASPA's Gender and Sexuality Journal, Campus Diversity Triumphs, and in one of the online publications, Race Bader and Wear Your Voice magazine. They love boxing, dancing, food, and clothes, and they were recently named on Dapper Q's 100 Most Stylish List of 2019. They are currently a consultant at Awaken, in Oakland, California. Welcome, Kay, to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. What made you want to, you know, jump into this space? Like, so you have a master's degree in higher education, and you've led a variety of diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives at a bunch of, like, the top universities in the world. So, like, why? Like, you know, what made you want to start doing this? <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Not how, but why? <laughs> so, I heard of this concept called the possibility model. And I want to credit, we're going to give credit where credit is due, Dr. Van Bailey, uh, his flyness. And, you know, I heard Van, Dr. Van talk about being possibility models. And, you know, it just put words to what I think I've always wanted to do and what I wanted to be. So I also went to these predominantly white institutions. I went to Boston College, which was in Boston. And before that, I went to Loyola in New Orleans. And I have never even in kindergarten through master's degree, had a queer, trans, black or brown person as a professor, as an administrator, frankly, barely had them as classmates. Like I've always felt like I was one of, you know, the only people like me. And it wasn't until I got, you know, older, went, graduated grad school, like moved to Oakland, frankly, um, and was just more exposed to black and brown, queer and trans people specifically. And so I just felt like that's really like tragic not just in person to not ever see yourself reflected in, in, in the administration, but also in the curriculum. Like I can't remember reading anything about queer and trans, black and brown people in the US, globally, like nothing. And we're ancient, we're as old as time itself. So convenient how, you know, we're just written out of things and we're just erased. And so I very much wanted to be a possibility model for queer and trans people of color, for students, also working with faculty and staff, pushing curriculum, um, and also working with like student activists, mentoring them, making sure that they know that they have power at institutions and that you can make a lot of change at an institution as a student. It's just a microcosm of the world around you. So where you might feel like you don't have as much power as a citizen of the world, you have a lot of power as a student at a university. Mm. I've wow. never heard of a possibility model right. until this conversation right now. So that's what I'm doing here on the left-hand side. I'm like, possibility model. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty dope. Can, is there like a, like a definition behind that term? You know, I gotta be honest, right? First time I heard it was from Van. Um, Van is on Instagram. Um, 
Dr. Handsome, <laughs> and he's a part of the Brooklyn Boyhood Collective. So he's been doing great work for a long time. Um, Brooklyn, the Joy Day parties. Um, and we were a part of higher ed circles together too. So we were, you know, one of many, I mean, one of very few uh, directors in higher ed who are black, um, brown, queer, and trans people. So it was a small circle. They're out here, you know, love them. Um, and I heard him say it and it always stuck with me. And so oh, I think Dan has been a great possibility model and mentor for me too, also fashion wise. I mean, you know, he talked about this concept of adornment and that's how I express myself through clothes, you know, Dapper Q list and model for Stuzo and like other things too, where clothing has always been another way to express my queerness um, and my gender identity. And you can't be what you can't see. Right. And seeing other queer and trans fly black and brown people, um, especially when I moved out here to Oakland the first time, like really just changed everything for me. Right, and you recently- What is adornment? Sorry, Soko, what, what's adornment? adornment you know I guess it's just this idea of you know like wearing things putting things on your body to like decorate yourself celebrate yourself like right now on my neck you know my mom's nameplate which means a lot to me always flossing like I got my nails painted and hair like whatever and it's not about brands and money it's just like for me at least like clothing like does it fit well and for non-binary trans people that's a huge thing like wearing clothing that matches how you feel it can trigger a lot of things like dysmorphia as well so for me it's not about brands or how much things cost it's like does it reflect who I am does it make me feel good um and do I have like personal pieces like my mom's nameplate you know that are like priceless to me okay that's dope one I could tell you swagged out over there you single I'm not but for the for <laughs> that's another combo you know probably, <laughs> uh you know working on it okay being single or Oh, we're young, like, polyamorous, ethical non-monogamy. All right, so let's jump into the icebreaker questions, even though the ice is probably broken, but <laughs> we, can, uh, we can have a little fun for a bit before we get a little bit more serious, all right? So, as a teen, you wanted your privacy. Now that your child is a teen, you have the option to monitor everything on their phone through an app. What do you do? A, give them privacy. B, getting the app and not telling them or C getting the app and letting them know that you have the app. Uh, privacy. A. Mm. Giving them privacy. Yeah. I don't I mean, have kids by the way. <laughs> that has not happened yet. No, the, the, yeah. It's make believe scenario. I, we, we all, I don't have kids. Right, right. Um, this is great. You know, your <laughs> parents out here, no, for real. Like, you know, family dynamics are great. I personally am not ready for that. Um, but I would just give them full privacy unless they gave me a reason not to. Hopefully mm. we have a lot of talks about cybersecurity and safety and, you know, letting me know where you're at so I don't have to, like, track you down. I hope. You ever see the uh, show on HBO, uh, Euphoria? Yes, I have. I Jesus was- Christ. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like- wow, this is really feasible, though, you know? All the things that they mentioned, like, it's not that far-fetched. It's happening, for sure. That was a great show. I really it's did. terrifying. If that's what's going on in high school right now, I'm so glad I'm not there. High school is a war zone. It is. And literally, you know, talking about all the mass violence we have, school shootings, like, I think, yeah, it's a lot different than it was for us. It's more, I think, it's heightened. I think the internet has heightened things and bullying has always existed, but now it exists 24-7 on the internet. Damn. All right. So what are you going to do, Sogo? Um, I'm gonna, you know, a little part of me, I'm a little nosy. Um, so a, I, a, a, a lot of nosy. So I want to get the app and let them know I have the app. 
Because that's just the way we're gonna do it. I'm sorry. I was reckless on the internet when I was a child. I agree. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> snoop. But I'm gonna let you know I'm snooping a little bit. You, all they're gonna do is find another way to do it. Like they just gonna have the same conversations and I just won't see it. So I'm whatever. You it's know what? Hard, or, I don't know. Easier, harder for us. Like I remember having a run around my house and be like, no one use a phone. I'm going on. <laughs> yeah. Like, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> room, right? Like yeah. ASL. What's up? <laughs> I remember sleeping on the couch and then sneaking out and going and seeing like people and like have, doing all types of wild shit. Oh my god, you did that, Jay Marie? Oh, shut up, bro. Like I just, it's just wild. Like I, I know yeah. that my kid is gonna do all types of crazy shit. You know, like guarantee, guarantee. And I think I came out alright. So, right. all right. Yeah. We're all out here. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, my dad used to tap my phone so he could listen to my phone conversations. But he told me, he was like, no, first he didn't tell me. And then eventually he was like, oh, I heard you talking to this person on the phone. And that's when I was just like, oh, shit. One, I had no business talking to that person. And two, my dad fucking tapped my phone. So maybe I should change my answer. I'm going to give them privacy because I feel a little PTSD now. All right. Question two. You are having dinner with your partner's family for the first time and hear them all making racist jokes. What do you do? A, join in on the jokes. B, tell your partner you are uncomfortable. C, just keep them quiet. D, tell them they are bigots and walk out. Uh, this has happened. And story time. Story yeah. time. Another another podcast episode, dating white people. Oh, yeah. that should be an episode. That should be an episode. Thank <laughs> you. Let me write that down. <laughs> white people, both thingies at Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, of course, you know, like white supremacist, genocidal holiday. Um, but what did I do? I just, I sat there and we just talked about it after. And I was like, oh, damn. So I forget what letter that was. What, what option is that? So just sit um, there and, and bear yep. it and leave. Like, just keep quiet. That's it. D is that D? That's C. C. Damn. That that was me. I just you know we're not. I, I understand though. I under, like you're yeah, not in your own like, territory, like all that. Like you had no one else there with you. No. You you want to like support your partner and there's a lot. I see all that. And so also update. You know I'm taking a break from dating white people. <laughs> the big time out of here okay so for me i think i'm going to pull my partner aside and tell them i'm uncomfortable right mm -hmm. because i don't know what type of future i'm gonna have with this partner i don't want to curse them out which my yeah. first instinct is to curse them out so just pull them aside like hey i'm uncomfortable and i would love to see how they react to the situation what they do about it because that's gonna gonna be very telling for the future of our relationship yeah mm. I'm going to tell them they're all bigots and walk out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like that Teen Vogue uh, Thanksgiving movie or the video where they just flip the table. Oh, yes. yeah. Yep. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. I have no room for it. It is 2019. You got to get your shit together. And you knew who was coming to dinner, baby girl. I don't like it. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> Swerd. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Um, okay, last question, final icebreaker. You and a new love interest have great chemistry, but you find out that they fo follow several hateful accounts online. Is that a red flag or no big deal? Okay, uh, let me, what kind of hateful accounts, right? Are oh, there, yeah. Is it like hateful, like, 
I hate Kim Kardashian or is it hateful like I hate you know all black people or I hate trans is it like what what kind of hateful I would say that there's no difference it would be a red flag um for sure I would just why? want to know, like why why do you think there's a difference so go I don't know. I feel like people do shit on the internet because they're bored. Like, sometimes I wish I could make a troll account and just go on said prior empire group on Facebook and just troll the fuck out of people. So I don't think that makes me a bad person. I think that just makes me a little bit bored. Yes, you definitely are bored. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I just feel like there's, like, hate is strong. You right. know, hate is strong. I don't know. And, it, it, like, that has to spill over to you to the real world. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I worry about that. That's a red flag. Like, what, what you doing on there, bro? Why you hate Kim Kardashian so much? Really? You know, like, spoiler alert, I love Kim K. So, um, <laughs> no, like, I'm watching, like, what is it? Like, poodles on a floaty. Like, <laughs> that's my thing. I don't know that I'd want my, like, extra free time with, like, hateful things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, that's the last of the icebreaker questions. Thank you. I don't know if they were that fun set. I felt like they were very, um, they were political. They were political, mm-hmm. but you know, I always say this. I feel like subconsciously when I'm picking out these questions, my brain knows who I'm asking and I want to know what they think, right? Mm-hmm. How they, th- no, I'm just kidding. All right. Let me keep, let me keep it moving. All right. So topic of the week, which we're going to just talk about non-binary, right? Um, what is it? What is it to K? What is it in general? How does it shape our community? How is it coming into play? I'm sure this conversation is going to go into other things. So um, let's start there. Um, K, what would be your definition, meaning to you, what is non-binary? Yeah, so in a very literal sense, binary just means two. And we're saying non-binary, we're literally saying like, none of these two options that you're giving to me work for me so i am none of these two i am beyond these two things right non is pretty self-explanatory right so none so you're like a combination you're neither and by the binary we're talking about gender so in this case man or woman um and you're saying you know i reject those two things and I'm not exclusively one or the other. I may be a combination of both. I may be beyond this whole thing. Um, and so I think for each person, the definition varies, but I think on a very like macro technical level, you're just rejecting this idea that there's you know two genders or two sexes assigned at birth, male or female, man or woman. And how does that work with gender expression? Yeah. So with gender expression and being non-binary, I think that just means that you're not limited to any traditional ideas of, you know, what you need to wear, who you are. You are in a space of exploration. Um, Unfortunately for non-binary people, when you express yourself the ways that you want to and it, you know, doesn't conform with what society has been doing or what you've been seeing, it can bring about violence. And we face disproportionate violence as gender non-conforming people. We know that trans women, especially black trans women, face the most violence, but um, that's a combination of gender identity and gender expression. But for like non-binary people, there's absolutely violence that we're facing. In general, hate crimes are up 
for a variety of different marginalized identities. So by race, by gender, we know that trans people face um, disproportionate violence. So wearing what you want to wear comes with a price. I think I remember you undergoing a hate crime about last year or so. Yeah. Yeah, and can you speak to maybe a little bit about that, if you're comfortable? If not, we can pass. Sure. I was very public about a lot of things <laughs> that have happened to me. Um, and one of them was, you know, facing hate crime violence. So I wrote an article for it on Race Bader, and I was very public with um, the hate crime. So there's actually two um, that I've been a part of, or I've been a you know, survivor of this year, and I wrote about both of them. Um, one was at the Philadelphia Trans Wellness Conference, which is the largest trans mm -hmm. conference country, if not the world. We had these right-wing extremists who showed up in front of the venue, mm -hmm. um, and they were out there to target, harass people, and they ended up hurting people. So they punched me in the nose, they pepper sprayed two black queer femmes. Um, so that was in August of last year, so just about a year ago today, or this week. And then uh, in New York, in November, I was at a concert, um, mostly white crowd. It was a white art artist. Uh, I was there with a trans white um, man who's a friend of mine. And, you know, concerts, there's a lot of pushing, shoving. You know, white people especially, white men, they just don't care. They take up space as they do. And I got into it with a bunch of white people. So it was this, like, lesbian couple and this, like, white man. Um, and they were just saying stuff about my gender and also gender expression I would say it isn't just clothing but it's also like your attitude like you just and for me as like a non-conforming person gender non-conforming like I take that very literally it just means that like I'm not here to conform to cater to you I'm gonna be here and in this case it was a concert and I'm not gonna be shoved and pushed and I'm not just gonna let you have your way all the time like not today and then that just brought about violence and so you know I got um stitches my eyes, my left eye. Um, and after that, I was very public about it, did some fundraising, because uh, at the time I didn't have health insurance and I uh, wasn't like fully employed. I was like freelancing and stuff. And so I was like really scared. I didn't know what my medical bills were gonna be like. You know, I refused an ambulance because that can be thousands of dollars. Um, took an Uber <laughs> to the ER in New York. And wow. that was right before the Jesse Smollett hate crime incident happened. And so, you know, I was kind of raising awareness for what happened to me and then that happened and it just became a bigger conversation. But in general, I would just say that what I learned from that was that I was not prepared physically for like hand-to-hand -hand combat. Like I, I'm, I work out whatever and I'm just, that's a different thing to know how to like defend yourself. Self-defense is not exercise. Um, like that's a skill that people need to develop, but you have to learn how to like protect yourself if something happens. And so as soon as I got my stitches out, I've thrown myself into boxing. I've been boxing as a way to like reclaim that trauma, boxing as a way to teach myself how to defend myself. I actually just came from a kickboxing class here in uh, Oakland. And so I've been really like serious about that and telling people, you know, like this can happen to you. It's not a matter of like, could this happen to you, but it's that it might happen to you. And like, how do you protect yourselves when you're out? Like, we got to go out thinking that something could happen to us and be prepared for that. Um, and then lastly, something I've been doing, you know, I've heard of other black trans masculine people in particular, black trans men. Uh, one was in Pittsburgh. Um, his name is Zaire Martinez and someone else outside of uh, Austin, Texas, Kair Rice. 
and they were they're both black trans men and they survived really serious hate crimes like they were hospitalized broken bones all this stuff they couldn't work they got outed at work and because of my visibility and the way that people responded and helped me i tried to get my network to help them and we were able to fundraise for them and like cover some of their basic expenses immediately so i've been trying to pay it forward because people helped me so like what is it that allows you to continue you know continue being who you are, you know, unapologetically, because when you realize that your, your safety could be on the line almost at any moment, you know, that might make someone, you know, go back into the closet, so, so to speak. So like, what is it for you that keeps you standing, you know, right in the spotlight? Yeah, well, I'm telling you that I'm not trying to be in the spotlight. <laughs> These things happen. And I decide that rather than being quiet about it, it, you know, I want to share my story and share my experiences. And with this hate crime stuff, like people from all over the world reached out to me, my friends too, to tell me, you know, this has happened to me too. Like my close personal friends who are masculine, trans men, or just masculine folks in general, you know, would say, you know, this has happened to me. And like, I never shared it with anybody because I was so ashamed. I was so embarrassed. Um, and so it started a conversation. And I guess for me, like I, at this point in my life, like I'm just not going backwards. Like, I don't think that that's going to help myself. It's going to help anyone. I recognize my privilege and that I can do that. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, especially in this political moment, like this mm -hmm. Trump administration, they are very much trying to target the trans community. They're not trying to, they are targeting the trans community. They have targeted us. And so I think now more than ever, for those of us who can be visible and vocal to do so, uh, as we're in like a larger fight. So for me, you know, also the possibility model thing, you know, like I really want to be myself. And by doing that, I think it is inspiring other people, especially younger generations and older generations. And these are other people who, by standing in their truth and putting themselves at risk, they've allowed me to be who I am. So I just feel like we're all in this together. I love that. I love, and I, you had mentioned um, something about you don't, you know, you don't want to go backwards. Um, no irony here, but I'm going to ask you to go backwards for a bit because I'm curious about, you know, your several, I guess they're, they're not, I, would, I wouldn't call them, right where it probably isn't transitions, but in a sense, like the coming out stages, because I would imagine, and I could be wrong, Kay, that you didn't begin saying that you were non-binary, right? So could you tell us a bit about how that journey was? Yeah. So for me, well, let me just start by saying that like trans people have always existed from the beginning of time, all over the world, right? So my family is from Ecuador, which is in South America. There's a rich history of third genders in Ecuador, in South America, in Latin America, in Mexico, right? And so, and in the US, we know indigenous folks, like two-spirit people. So how I've always felt about myself, like I never really felt particularly girly or feminine but I never wanted to be a man. I just wanted to be myself. I want to cut my hair. I want to wear these clothes. I want to act this way. I don't want to change anything about myself. I just don't rock with society telling me I have to do these things in this way. Like I'm going to be myself. I don't care. And it's always been me. So from the time I was born, I hated dresses. I hated long hair. My mother really tried, but I was like, no, ma, sorry. Um, and I was always like this tomboyish type of person. So that's always been inherent. And I think that's part of the magic of like trans non-binary people, especially black and brown trans non-binary people, because 
it's such a part of you. It's like inherent in you that, you know, where does it come from? It's from your ancestors. It's like magic, right? And then it's not like you get awarded or rewarded by society for being this way. If anything, it's triple four times harder to be this type of person. And it's like, it's not a choice. This is who we are. And so I feel like for me, it's just being authentic. But to your point, your question, um, I didn't have language for it. So I had never seen any non-binary people before or not anybody that was out, never seen any trans people before that were out. I'm sure they were there, but I didn't know who they were. I didn't know that I could be like this. I didn't know this was an option. I didn't know there were other people who felt this way. Mm. And I guess once, and I was always in Catholic school too. And so queer things like gender variant things were not talked about, not supported at all, admonished, punished even, right? And so not until I got to college when I met my first like white lesbians on my basketball team, where I was like, oh, okay, like being not straight isn't like a a rare thing. There are other people who feel this way too. I'm not the only one. And then not until later in my life when I moved out to California a couple of years ago to Oakland that I started meeting queer and trans black and brown people specifically because in Boston it's like way white, (laughs) super white. Um, And so having our spin on it uh, really changed it. And then getting this language where I was like, okay, so I'm not just a lesbian. Like, I don't even know if I rock with the idea of being a woman or a lesbian anymore. So I was like, so what's, what does it mean to be trans? And I started meeting non-binary people and masculine people. And then I was like, oh, those words actually fit me better than the words I've been using, which were lesbian and she, her pronouns. And I used a different name that I didn't really like. So then I guess this is a combination of being more secure in myself and then seeing other possibility models and learning this language. And the language part is just hella elitist. Like I always felt this way, but I didn't have words for it. So your lived experience is far more valid than like whether or not you have the words. We get, words are important, but you know, you know how you feel. Is being non-binary and being gender queer the same thing? Well, let's talk about it. I'm not gonna say yes or no. Okay. Talk about like the words and how I understand them to be. And so, you know, as we said with like non-binary, right? It's very clearly like I don't identify with man or woman or masculine or feminine, right? And then gender queer to me is related in that you're saying, you know, you are complicating gender, right? You're queering gender, right? And that can be taken in any variety of ways. It could be like you could um, you know, identify one way and say, you know, I'm gender queer and there's like a larger concept within it. So I feel like the two are related, but I think the differences might be where non-binary is like very specifically neither man or woman and gender queer, I think may have some more flexibility um, with how you identify. So gender queer is more like an umbrella term. I would say so. Okay. And what type of advice? So I struggle with this all the time and I'm trying so much to be better, especially being a part of the LGBTQ plus community. I'm trying to be better at this. What, what kind of advice would you give someone to help them be better with using the correct pronouns? Yeah, I think that first people should have a commitment for wanting to try it, right? Like, why is this important? Why does this matter? And in my case, you know, my name is Kay. I use they, them pronouns. That's my identity. That's who I am. And I mean, how would you like it if someone just kept calling you the wrong name or kept misgendering you and saying you were a gender that you weren't? Like, it doesn't feel good. It's disrespectful, right? And so I can't make somebody want to do that. I can't make somebody care. Either you care or you don't. 
And if you care, that's the baseline. So then you have to figure out for yourselves, well, like, where are my learning edges, right? It's like calling K by they, them, like a new thing for me. Maybe I should just keep calling them K and start working on the they, them thing and working it in or like practicing or like whatever you need to do to make it work. Everybody has to learn differently on their own. So I guess my recommendations are one to like really ask yourself if you're trying to be uh, a supportive person for trans non-binary people and then what do you need to do how you learn to make sure that you're getting your friends pronouns correct and that like mistakes or missteps will happen like I have also misgendered my friends like you know people change names people change pronouns and sometimes you just mess up and then being able to work through when you mess up right like how do you apologize how do you fix it um, in general, when you misgender a trans person or a non-binary person, hopefully you catch it yourself. You'd be like, oh, okay, like, damn, K uses they, them pronouns, sorry. And you just keep it moving. Like, we don't want to make, like, a big deal out of it, especially if it's, like, in public. Um, and then I appreciate that. Like, I know that, you know, it can be a new thing for some people, but if it keeps happening and if the person who keeps doing it, like, just doesn't care and shows, like, no remorse, then it's not okay. Like, then you've reached a point for me where I'm like, I can't be around you. You actually are like harmful and hurtful for me. Um, and unfortunately, misgendering people can be disregarded. I struggle personally with the, the binary, the binary, uh, like, I guess, groundwork or, or platform that exists within the LGBTQ community. I just think we have to do away with it completely. Uh, I don't understand the whole thing with like no stud on stud and like, oh, that's gay. And it's like, we're like, we're all queer. We're all gay, you know, like, so in general, like I kind of see, you know, from my perspective, non-binary as just like, to me, the status, the status quo of what queer people, how we should function. You know, there we should do away with whole the whole thing about you know femmes can't dance with other femmes in the club. Like what? Come on! Like all of this is right. silly. All of it is expression, right? Like RuPaul says, everything is drag, right? So like what? Like to, in your opinion, like how do you feel about that? Like as a person that identifies, like this is how I identify. What do you think about our community and our like our how we like almost are unwilling to let go of the standards that kind of oppress us? I agree with you, for sure. I wish that we didn't have marginalization and stigmas within a community that is already marginalized and stigmatized and oppressed and targeted and being killed. Like, we don't have time for it. <laughs> we just really don't. Um, but it exists. And, you know, to your other point about, like, people just holding on to what they know, I think that could be part of it, you know, like how do you enter a space where we're saying like, there are no rules, wear whatever you want, do whatever you want, be whoever you want. People, you know, kind of need some sort of framework to be like, oh, well, you know, I can't think like that. Like I, I need some parameters, I need some rules. You know, even with like relationships, like, oh, okay, it's not monogamous anymore, you have multiple partners, like what's that? How do you do that? Um, I think it's possible, clearly, we're already doing it. You know, we're pushing boundaries, we're breaking binaries, we have legal recognition in some states, some people have X markers on their licenses. Um, so it's happening. It's gonna be interesting and scary to see like the future of like legal things, uh, lawsuits. I know on October 8th, there's a really big case going up to the Supreme Court, a trans woman is suing Starbucks. Um, so I personally am kind of waiting with bated breath to see what happens there. 
um, where in this case, uh, Starbucks very famously has announced that they are trying to be really supportive of the transgender community. And for any employee at Starbucks who's trans who wants to go through gender affirmation surgery, Starbucks says they're going to cover it, if not all of it, a lot of it. And so, you know, they did that. And obviously now they have more trans employees or people who want to work there. However, they have this one case where it's this trans woman uh, who was working at a Starbucks and she's claiming that her manager you know, is harassing her on the basis of her gender and being a trans woman saying that you know, she wasn't feminine enough and like misgendering her and then like retaliating against her. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see when this goes up to the Supreme Court in October, like what will the court say about the treatment and harassment of trans people in the workplace? It's going to have really big impacts on everybody. So I don't know, to, to your point again, right? Like we don't have time. I wish that we would just gather ourselves and recognize that we have very serious um, challenges ahead of us, but there's homophobia and anti-blackness and transphobia within our communities. There's racism, there's all these things, right? Misogyny. So we have a lot of work to do uh, ourselves. I wanna say, you know, no, that's not true, but yeah, it totally exists and and you know, day by day, step by step. As you said, what was it? Was it the, what the, what's the model that you said? The possibility model? Possibility, yeah. Possibility possibility. Model. All right. You can start there. Right. <laughs> we all have to do the work. I have my own work to do, right? I have my own things that I've learned, that I've internalized, that I'm trying to be better about. Um, so I, I don't think that anyone's perfect, but hopefully as a community, we are recognizing that we you know, have work to do and we're also just under attack right now so like what are we doing to show up for ourselves and each other you brought up a lot of solid facts today and i feel like i'm taking notes over here because i feel like i'm learning too like do you have like any youtube or instagram that people could follow you at and see what you're up to yeah totally so on instagram um the letter k underscore pmz mm-hmm. um i am on facebook as you said kp martinez I'm on twitter K, the letter K, B-O-I, Martinez. And I'm writing, you know, every now and then things will pop up um, online. I was put them on my Instagram link tree. And so I have been writing, uh, I consult, I do panels. And now as a consultant with Awaken, working with tech companies, um, talking about their diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy. Nice. Keep kicking ass. Oh, um, that ambition right that queer ambition out here that's, that's what we gotta do that's what we gotta do um i did have one personal <laughs> question why are you considering the poly lifestyle yeah well i have for most of my life been in monogamous exclusive relationships so i was in like two three year back-to-back relationships and then i was like okay maybe that's a thing i should check in with myself about And I, for the first time, met someone who was already in a polyamorous situation. And so that person introduced me to the concept. I really liked them. I loved them. I wanted to be with them. And I wanted to learn and see if this dynamic would work for me. So I'm definitely new to it. Um, At the moment, you know, I'm in like a polyamorous situation. So I'm exploring. I have a lot to learn. So I don't know. I mean why i'm doing it i mean part of it is because it was introduced to me i think theoretically it makes sense and now i'm just trying to see if that's me if i can make that work in my life sokol's already uh dive, diving into the uh, poly lifestyle has been for a while but 
Um, so I'm in a monogamous relationship and I, it's not going to happen. My partner is not interested in it, but I think it just makes complete sense personally. We won't, this is not this podcast, so we won't get into that <laughs> another time. We can talk about that. All right. So everyone, please follow Kay Martinez at K underscore PMZ. Um, also, we'll provide all the links that Kay mentioned just a few minutes ago. Kay, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this, amplifying great stories out there. Appreciate it. Of course. I mean, just keep going. Like you're just, you're giving so much information, just, you know, possibility. Just keep on going. Please don't stop. Possibility model all day. That's stuck. Yeah. That's so you got that one right here. That's stuck. Like what?